Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. A word of advice, Jamie? Yeah? If a movie makes sweeping and reductive generalizations about gender and relationships, it's just not that good of a movie the end (laughs) okay anyway sorry i can't hear you i've been locked in a closet by bradley cooper i actually could you speak up i'm trapped in bradley cooper's office closet there oh here we go here we go welcome to the bechdel cast my name is jamie loftus my name's caitlin durante and today we're broadcasting live from bradley cooper's office closet (laughs) With a guest. It's getting crowded. Impossible to socially distance in here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, This is our episode about He's Just Not That Into You. This is our podcast about looking at movies through an intersectional feminist lens, Mm -hmm. using the Bechdel test simply as a jumping off point. And Jamie, I've I forgot. What what is was, the Bechdel oh, test? I, well, allow me. <laughs> Let me ask Allison Bechdel. She's actually in here too. Uh, oh yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm sorry. Before I say what the Bechdel test is, I I had I think I just like ended up just my soul was flying out of my body when I was watching this movie, and <laughs> it was like you know I was like watching myself watch the movie from above, mm-hmm. and I it would have made me laugh so hard if. Scarlett Johansson when she was being pushed into a closet by Bradley Cooper um, if there was like just a skeleton in there from, <laughs> from another woman who had been through the same thing and then maybe he forgot and then she you know and this happened in like 2002 and then he's like oh my god I forgot I pushed Jodie Foster into that closet seven years ago and she never got out the Bechdel test is a media metric as you said it uh, for our purposes it requires that two characters of a marginalized gender with names speak to each other about something other than a man for two lines of dialogue 
Uh, we'll, we'll see, see about we'll see. this one. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> You know, and I guess you going into this, you know, it's not it's not a perfect metric. You know, it's it's not a feminist text just because it passes the Bechdel test, as we know. Not saying that for any particular reason. Uh, anyways, mm-hmm. that is the Bechdel test. <laughs> this is the Bechdel cast. And we have an amazing guest with us today. We certainly do. Yes. Uh, welcome to the closet. Uh, she, <laughs> she's an actor. You've seen her on Vita, Love, Victor, Call Your Mother. And she is the founder of Put Me on Self Tape, which is a self tape and audition coaching studio in LA. It's Anna La Madrid. Hello. Hi. I'm excited to be in the closet. It's getting hot, but I'm here for it. <laughs> Bradley's coming back any second now, not to worry. Anytime. And I'm going to walk out with my red negligee and not put my dress on while they're having sex. <laughs> Two seconds after Jennifer Connolly left, like, wouldn't she not realize that someone is coming? I was also like, they're going to run each other in the elevator. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, Jennifer Connolly's going to be like, is that my husband? <laughs> is that my husband's seed? <laughs> but I'm also like, girl, put on your dress. Yeah. Everybody in the office is going to know. We need, uh, we, we need to, we, I just want to have a talk with every character in this movie about uh, learning to Boundaries. love themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So Lord. much thing. This, the, I have to say, like, as awful as all of these, like, ensemble movies of this era are, because it's also like, whatever, I, w- I would include this in the expanded universe of Valentine's Day and yeah. New Year's mm-hmm. Eve. And they're all so bad. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is kind of uh, like, Ben Affleck isn't in this movie for a full hour. He just he just disappears. He goes away. Yeah, he's on a boat. He's a, he gets <laughs> lost at sea. Maybe we don't know. <laughs> I mean, one would hope. It's just like a nightmare. It's a nightmare. But um, but I was very fully um engaged, triggered, activated, fight or flight response. Um, my fight or flight response was fully t- activated by this movie. <laughs> Uh, but let's talk about our personal histories. Uh, Anna, what is your history with with this cinematic text? Um, you know, I remember watching it when it first came out. And um, I guess I've, like many of us, have been fallen trap into finding romantic comedies um, enjoyable when I was ignorant and didn't know any better. Um, it was <laughs> nice. You know, one of the things that I do for fun sometimes is I, I try to watch 80s movies and then see how they hold up. Mm. most of them don't um no I haven't done this for like early aughts movies so this was kind of like a a revelation to me because I'm like holy shit there's so much toxic like masculinity toxic positivity like are Mm -hmm. these girls actually really your friends like uh, (laughs) yeah so um yeah that's my relationship to it I can't believe that I enjoyed it and kind of normalized these narratives in my Mm. head I mean, 2009, We're we still didn't I know, it's, know. It's so depressingly, like, still feels too recent to be like, wow, we really, we really did not question all that much. <laughs> the only, no. the only thing that felt commonly accepted was that the movie was bad, but the messaging kind of wasn't up for debate. I don't know. Right. Caitlin, what's your history with this movie? Oh, gosh. Well, I... Slash book. Mm-hmm. So I 
watched the movie some amount of years after it came out and promptly forgot everything about it because when I rewatched it to prep for this, I was like, well, didn't remember that there were 4,000 Jennifers in this movie. Didn't remember... <laughs> Jennifer Who and of the cast I was. love when it's scenes where it's Jennifer and Jennifer. You're like, Whoa. right? My head hurts. I'm just like, where's Jennifer Lopez? If you're gonna get the rom com Jen Jennifer's in there, at least then we would have intersectional, right? Yes. Because <laughs> right? where are the people of color in this film? Oh my they are God. on the sidelines. It's, yeah, being the gay yeah. best friend. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was like, yep. literally, it's it's like anyone who is not white and not straight is not going to be centered in this movie for even a second. They're just going to be there to tell <laughs> Drew Barrymore how to send an email. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. So I saw the movie at some point, but I did read the book when it came out because a roommate I had in college was like, Caitlin, you gotta read this book. It's gonna change your life. Oh, no. It's like my Bible. Oh, and no. I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't like, I wasn't a Sex in the City watcher. Like, I didn't really know what I was in store for. And and I don't remember specifics now. I obviously did not reread it recently. Um, but I just remember the general takeaways of it, which are mostly like, because the the book and the movie are are, are very different in, in the sense that like the book is a self help book, the movie is like narrative vignettes, mm -hmm. but the themes are all still present and the themes of the book are men know what they want and they're gonna go out and get it, but women shouldn't do that. They should not call a man first. They should not initiate contact. They should never ask a man out. Women should wait idly by for a man to make the first move. Women should surrender any and all power and agency and just sit around waiting for a man to take all the initiative. And I remember in like, again, 2005, when I read this, when my feminism was not sophisticated or, you know, not I mean, really barely there at all. Many of ours was. Yeah. <laughs> I still was like, this book is the most sexist, regressive piece of shit that I've ever read in my life. Yay. So I've hated this property for a long time now. Nice. And that's my history. Jamie. Was that also around the same time that that book, The Rules, came out? Ooh, good question. Oh, I don't know what I year that's know. from. I would guess, though. It feels like the same era. That of... sounded very similar, too, where she was like, if they ask you out on a Wednesday, that's a no. And the, and it was like going around about like how you need to make yourself uh, be the prize and that they have to fight for you because that's what men want to do and that you shouldn't. Ooh. So that was another book. So I remember that being passed around my circle. Yes. Boom. Oh, that's that's from 95. Oof. The Rules, Time-Tested Secrets for Capturing the Heart of Mr. Right. Written by two women. So it's <laughs> Written like, by two women. There are, and we'll, we'll get into this today, there, some, sometimes women can perpetuate sexism because yeah. I don't, because question mark, because they don't love themselves, internalized misogyny, etc. Mm -hmm. My history with this movie is that I was taken to see this movie after my first breakup ever. And it, <laughs> I was, this movie came out when I was, I think like a sophomore in high school. Mm -hmm. My boyfriend who had just dumped me 
to play the saxophone more. Um, I was like <laughs> devastated. I was a mess. I was inconsolable. And so my friends, we didn't know. I knew that it was a book, but we definitely hadn't read it. But my my friends mm. were like, no, we're going to we're going to cheer Jamie up. And we I think that we went into it thinking this was going to be a movie that was like, fuck men. The sax, and then hopefully also fuck the saxophone. Um, <laughs> but I remember we left <laughs> very disappointed. We didn't like the movie, and at the end, my my friend, uh, shout out Jenny Hyde. Uh, she apologized. She's like, I thought that was gonna cheer you up, but <laughs> I don't think it did. And I was like, that's mm. it was worth a shot. And then we went to IHOP. And now that oh, cheered you up. That was, it turns out that was the medicine I needed. Um, pancakes. Pancakes always win. True. Yeah. Like pancakes over toxic masculinity, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was my, and then I revisited it when it was um, during the pandemic just to be like, is this as bad as I remember? And I was like, oh, it's actually worse. Worse. Um, and, <laughs> And here we are. So I've seen this movie several times this year um, and, Ooh, and, wow. and hopefully for perhaps for the last time, you know, we don't know. We... Some There could be a very sinister twist. <laughs> the sequel. Oh, God. <laughs> well, should I get into the recap and then we'll go from there? Let's do it. So the movie opens on a little boy being mean to a little girl. And then the little girl is told that the boy was treating her badly because he has a crush on her. And the voiceover explains how that is a lie that girls and women have been conditioned to believe. And then this is followed by a montage of women encouraging other women saying like, oh, when a man is ignoring you, it's because of this or it's, you know, let's make excuses for the guy and da, 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 all this stuff. Or like, you're great. He can't dump you like. Yeah, it, it was a, a, a sampler platter of <laughs> what well, we were going to suffer through for the next two hours, too. Because I'm like, oh, my God, this movie how, is so long. How dare this movie be longer than two hours? I am furious. Two hours. And it really felt like more hours than two. <laughs> and also, Truly. that little kid just wasn't mean. He physically... Push this. A, I was like, oh, so I'm normalizing her. physical abuse too. Great. Thanks. Thanks for letting us know if he hits us, that means he loves us. Ugh. Yeah. So anyway, so you have all this, like this montage and this voiceover at the beginning. And then according to the movie, the truth of the matter is when a man is not calling you or paying attention to you or he's being a dick to you, it means he's just not that into you. And then, so the rest of the movie is a bunch of vignettes that are all vaguely connected. This movie is trying to be love, actually, but worse. Which is also, <laughs> you go back to our episode on love, actually, I don't have the mental yeah. capacity for it. No. Um, <laughs> Today. Also, for this recap, I'm going to use actors' names instead of characters' names, because there are too many characters, and who cares what their names are, but most of the actors are famous, so yeah. that should just help clarify things. Agreed. Okay, so we cut to Jennifer Goodwin and Kevin Connolly, aka E from Entourage, which is probably what I'm going to call him this whole episode. They're on a date 
she seems to be more excited about it than he is because he is in love with Scarlett Johansson. Who's a singer slash yoga instructor. I was like, oh, we're hitting the tropes early. Early. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Who doesn't have yoga pants, by the way. And that scene where she's teaching people sweatpants. I'm like, you didn't even do your research, girl. Whoa. (laughs) You know you should be wearing Lululemons or some shit. Wow. Her character, her care. I mean, everyone's <laughs> character, but good Lord. Oh, this whole movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Scarlett Johansson meets Bradley Cooper at a supermarket. Not just any Bradley Cooper, though. Frosty Tips Bradley Frosty Cooper. Frosty Tips. <laughs> Pre-fame, pre like super, super fame Frosty Tips mm-hmm. Cooper. This was his breakout role, guys. Let's just be honest. I mean, <laughs> who could forget him leering at someone in the grocery line? Iconic. Uh, and it would be several years later when he would become... Hey, I just wanted to get another look at Another problematic character. He, uh, I have yes. a lot of feelings on Bradley Cooper. Most of them are not very good. Um, but again, another day when when my when my spirit can handle it. Right. Um, Bradley and Scarlett hit it off, but uh oh, he's married. But they exchange numbers anyway. Uh, he is also friends with Ben Affleck, who is in a long term relationship with Jennifer Aniston. And she wants to get married, but he doesn't. And it's a, it's a point of contention in their relationship. And yep, that's pretty much the whole thing. Except <laughs> he doesn't believe in it, guys, but he's committed. He doesn't believe in it. But but don't worry, she's going to change him because that's how that's how things work. That's she's going to fix him. I love so that is basically their whole story. But just I like the like sometimes they'll just throw a little bit of like spice at a storyline that just something else happens that you're like like Chris Christopherson has a heart attack and you're like huh why is that happening Uh and then it's immediately resolved and it's like I feel like we didn't need to give Chris Christopherson a heart attack (laughs) perhaps it's not necessary but I thought it was pretty I was laughing I was like what is hell why it was a really roundabout way for Jennifer Aniston to be around her like in-laws like her, her sister's, sister's husbands. husband yeah and and appreciate Ben yeah, yeah. <laughs> which like again very roundabout way to go- like you could have done that in like a much tighter more efficient way anyway yeah how would have they filled out those two hours though I they wouldn't have <laughs> The things like I mean I guess that the only the Chris Christopherson plot heart attack I I was cracking up because I was just like what is this for like you know they're not gonna kill him so what's mm-hmm. happening I messy Shrug. messy messy meanwhile in the movie Jennifer Goodwin who works with Jennifer Aniston and also Jennifer Connelly so all the Jennifers work together work together at the same company you can do only- they work though. What is their job? They have never... All they talk about is that one nutmeg copy. But, like, who's the client? Are they all... all they do is sit around and get paid to talk about guys the entire day. I'm like, yeah. wow, I want to work in that office. Which is also <laughs> wild because I'm like, uh, ladies, this is a recession. I feel like uh, there would have been some positions cut if, if the three of you are all trying to write one paragraph about nutmeg for several months. <laughs> Just seems... <laughs> Seems like, you know, in the middle no of... No talk of a pitch meeting. No, <laughs> anything. No They're like, we just need to get them in the same room. And women do be having jobs these days. So <laughs> nutmeg. Yeah. And it's advertising. That's cool, right? That's something women can do. 
Mm-hmm. It's actually the reason why I studied advertising. I'm not going to lie. That was my undergrad degree because I wow. saw like the mom on Who's the Boss was in advertising. Like Amanda Woodard from Melrose Place was in uh, advertising. So I'm like, oh, that's what women do. We do advertising. Mm. That's why I'm a journalist, art curator, slash there slash you own a bakery slash bakery a struggling bakery owner (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh okay so jennifer goodwin is waiting to hear from e from entourage and when she doesn't she decides to go to a bar where she knows he hangs out aka stalk him and there she meets a bartender justin long who is e from entourage's friend roommate i don't know friend who like just walks into his house unannounced i'm like yeah i'm also yeah i was like i was like are they roommates because i'm like oh you got keys (laughs) or you or does he just leave his door open i was really confused about (laughs) justin long's character i mean first of all We've done the definitive Justin rankings before, and we as a podcast take the stance that Justin Bartha is better than Justin Long. So whenever I see Justin Long, I think should have been Justin Bartha. Um, that alone was distracting. But on top of that, his his life was confusing because it was like he's a bartender, but then he was also seen in a large office at one point. That was his house. What? Everybody's what? house has like huge lofts. I'm like, where are you living? And what is the rent? Yeah, everyone is is very wealthy. They're in this very movie. wealthy. Like his parents pay for that house. For sure. I mean, and it's also like they, they have to keep reminding you you're in Baltimore because there's no visual indication that you're in Baltimore. And also it's like, <laughs> oh, it's Baltimore. That's like, but like it's all rich white people in Baltimore with gigantic homes. And it's like, yeah. uh, how? <laughs> why stop confusing yeah so justin long is telling jennifer goodwin oh my roommate slash friend or some guy who sometimes comes over e from entourage isn't gonna call you because he's just not that into you Mm. meanwhile scarlett johansson who is friends with drew barrymore by the way Mm. calls bradley cooper who is married to Jennifer Connelly. You see how all the threads are connecting? It's brilliant. (laughs) The payoff is so, like, every time I was like, oh. Like, it was Um, just... I guess. No joy. No joy. Does not spark joy for me. Mm -mm. So Bradley Cooper decides it will be okay and perfectly harmless to help Scarlett with her music career. Is he a manager or a lawyer? Right? We don't know. But somebody in his office is going to help her. (laughs) Yeah, but we don't know any more than that. Drew Barrymore can't figure out how to send an email for the whole movie. Like she's, or it's like just like her coworkers being like, Drew Barrymore, use MySpace. And she's like, it's so confusing. Like she just, she's trying to send a message to someone. That's her whole, like, what's going on with her character besides nothing besides going to myspace.com she's selling ads to e to e from entourage yes (laughs) that at least she does one thing that's work related what if she is selling nutmeg and it's all connected (gasps) what now that's it we just cracked it let's call them up right now and let them know that we need the sequel 
Yeah. <laughs> All about nutmeg. Oh, he is just that into you. That's my pitch for the title. Um, also, this movie was clearly written in 2004 or not 2009. Mm-hmm. And the screenplay was never updated to reflect 2009 technology. Because it, it acts like everyone still has landlines. Everyone still like leaves messages on answering machines. Nobody text messages each other. Like People MySpace. Send, yeah, MySpace is dated. People knew how to send an email by 2009. Like there's just all this. Yeah, it's almost like 1995. <laughs> yeah, it's so. I mean, the book was published in 2004 four or 2005 I think Mm -hmm. and then the movie comes out in 2009 but whoever was writing these things were using technology from like 2001 and I'm just like this I was so frustrated anyway (laughs) okay so Bradley Cooper is like yeah I'm gonna help Scarlett with her music career and then they start getting closer and more flirty and eventually they start sleeping together and then he lies to his wife (laughs) Jennifer Connelly about it he's actively gaslighting her over in Jennifer Aniston land she leaves Ben Affleck because he refuses to marry her so now she's single Hmm. and meanwhile Jennifer Goodwin keeps calling Justin Long and asking for more dating advice. And it seems like maybe he's starting to like her. And he even invites her to a party he's throwing, which she interprets as him liking her. But then he's like, no, you misread this, you silly fool. And she's like, well, at least I put myself out there. You're going to be alone forever. And then she storms out. God, that's such a so messy. That was it's, that was a moment of empowerment, guys. It's oh, what a feminist text. <laughs> that was that was when she stood up for herself. I that mm-hmm. was I was like, oh, we were really supposed to be cheering when I was like, I can't stand both of you. <laughs> <laughs> you guys deserve each other. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Like I hope you take yourselves off the market so no one else has to deal with you. <laughs> And then meanwhile, Bradley Cooper finally does tell Jennifer Connelly that he cheated on her. And she's upset at first, but then she's like, wait a minute, I'm partly to blame. So she goes to his office to try to like reignite their fire and to have sex with him. But uh uh-oh, Scarlett Johansson was already there and she's hiding in the closet here with us. Hi, Scarlett. What's up? (laughs) So she comes back out afterwards and she's like, we're done. And she breaks up with him. And then she goes back to E from Entourage because they have this kind of like on again, off again, casual thing. But she doesn't sleep with him anymore. Yeah, like she goes to him when she needs to. She needs a confidence boost. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is uh, not a nice thing to do. But I was like, oh, I I understand this dynamic. (laughs) Right. So they like, then they kind of get together for a little while, but then she's like, wait a minute, this guy was in Entourage. I don't like him. Gross. And then, so she here. breaks up with him. <laughs> and then Justin Long is starting to realize that he does like Jennifer Goodwin. And then the movie ends with Jennifer Goodwin and Justin Long getting together. Jennifer Aniston and Ben Affleck getting back together because she realizes that she doesn't need to be married after all, but then he proposes anyway. 
and then they get married. With sorry, one of the most the one of the all time doofiest proposals I've ever <laughs> seen committed to film. He put the ring in his pants. Cargo pants. His disgusting cargo cargo pants. pants. And then she and I was like, I was really hoping that that would happen. And then Jennifer Aniston would be like, wait a second. I'm leaving. Like, <laughs> oh, just the laziest. Ugh, so gross. It, it, it was horrifying. <laughs> and then Jennifer Connelly and Bradley Cooper split up. And then also E from Entourage hits it off with Drew Barrymore. And that is how everything concludes. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back to discuss. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Uh, well, so. <laughs> where should we? Where should we start? Okay, I want to. I can see how I can kind of. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to phrase this carefully, but I can see how some of the things that get examined in this movie or start to be examined could be empowering for some people because there are we see examples of like women you know making their needs known their needs and wants known in a relationship you see challenging of men's behavior especially when they're being dismissive of women's feelings there's some voiceover at the end where Jennifer Goodwin's like, maybe a happy ending doesn't have to include a guy. Maybe it's just, you know, you on your own picking up the pieces and, and freeing yourself up for something better in the future. But the movie only very barely scratches the surface of any of these things and um, is terrible the rest of the time. 
because like there there are opportunities in this movie to explore like why men mistreat or are disinterested in women but they really don't even touch on that it's yeah. just like well men are just well i don't know men are bo- boys will be boys i mean boys here's a boys. there was an article that i read god and probably around 2010 that was around the time this movie came out that was titled like if it's not a hell yes it's a no and it was all, mm. and, and it kind of mirrors what Justin Long is saying, right? Like, when men are actually interested, they will show up in the ways. Like, you don't have to hound them to call you. They just naturally will. And I remember reading that article and being like, that's a good compass for me. Because I think we do hear a lot of narrative of, like, let's excuse behavior and make it about... So in some ways, I do agree with what Justin is saying. Like when guys are interested, it doesn't mean that I can't approach a guy if I'm interested, but it has to be reciprocal and I can't be the one driving. So I do Mm -hmm. agree with that. But there's a lot of everybody in this film needs therapy. (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah desperately like y'all everybody needs therapy there's a lot of anxious avoidant type attachment style there's a lot of codependency there's a lot of lack of boundaries <laughs> and yeah. and none of that is addressed no. yeah and and I do agree it's it's so it feels like a a half step towards something that I would agree with where it's like you know I'm I'm very pro you know people not playing games with each other and being direct mm-hmm. about how they feel and i do think that there there is kind of this tendency of like i mean it's it's introduced and like lightly criticized then immediately walked back in the opening scene of the movie where it's like if a boy is mean to you that means he likes you which is one of the largest fallacies that is mm-hmm. uh, spread to usually young girls and i i think that it is like encouraging like people of all genders from a young age to be direct and encouraging when you are on the receiving end of that to take people at their word um and like if someone's being cruel to me there is no world in which you should you know view that as they like me and i should want to engage with them further like that is such a toxic idea and so it's like yeah like like you're saying anna like i i do agree with Justin Long, like, oh, God, that sentence, <laughs> to the extent that it's like, yeah, like, if someone is interested in you, they will make it known. And, uh, you know, this isn't like a mind game thing, but it just has to go, you know, on both ends of a relationship, because I feel like where this movie lands is like, and it sounds like, Caitlin, based on what you're describing about the book, that like, men should be empowered to be direct whereas women need to be doing like this calculus problem to figure it out um and and they're not afforded the same amount of like emotional freedom and and directness that that men are or agency yeah absolutely for sure yeah the movie opening with this commentary about like how women are not only programmed but like encouraged to think that if a man is a jerk to you it means he likes you and then so like challenging that notion is like totally legitimate, but then the movie doesn't. Yeah. It's, re- yeah. Everything else the movie does is just 
trash. <laughs> so Right. It's like there there are occasional moments when it's I think it's Jennifer Goodwin's I think she's supposed to be the protagonist question mark. But she it's yeah. her it's her voiceover saying like, mm-hmm. What a load of crap. Blah blah blah. And it's like, yeah, agree. Totally agree. But then the movie does not really go on to explore that idea in any meaningful way because there's and there's also storylines that directly contradict that because like if you think about ben affleck and jennifer aniston who i kept forgetting were never actually a real couple it just sounds like it was true but it wasn't she dated vince vaughn yeah she did date Vince Vaughn. We were, were we ever so young? Uh, but <laughs> right, and then Benifer was him and J Lo. J Lo, they're so... both single now. What if? <gasps> what? No, they're both. I. It's true. Like right now? Yeah, because J Lo and A Rod broke up. <gasps> and I see you telling me about my own people. Like what? <laughs> I'm not on an up and up on this drama. I... She just like showed her wedding ring like a few months ago. Yeah, uh, A-Rod was cheating on her over Zoom <gasps> because pandemic. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. I'm dead. How do you che- how do you cheat on that woman? How do you, know, you cheat this on that woman? This goes to show that people just Zoom? get bored. And yeah. on Zoom, trifling. All right, well, I learned yeah. something new. So, so you know, Benefer, it's maybe it's not too late. Maybe it's, it's not too late. Come Benef- back, Benefer Part 2, the sequel. All that to say... You know, the the Jen Aniston, Ben Affleck storyline is all about him saying and being direct saying, I do not want to get married, which is like, you know, even if Jennifer Aniston disagrees with it, like she should take him at face value there. He doesn't seem like he wants to get married, but the movie doesn't reinforce that. He changes his mind and he throws a dirty old ring into his dirty old pants. And (laughs) so that like directly contradicts what you're told in the first scene that like oh, you know, when someone's being direct with you, take them at their word, which is not a bad message. But then right. it's not always true in the movie. It's it's just, well, yeah. Because the way women are written in this movie is that they are generally just irrational or reactionary or clueless or any other number of like stereotypical negative traits associated with women. The women are all written in these very broad stereotypes so even if Ben Affleck who I can I can't believe I'm about to say this but like (laughs) as someone who like for me personally marriage is not something that I care about doing I don't really believe in it as an institution for me personally Mm -hmm. so the things that he's saying about marriage I was like yeah I agree with you Ben Affleck yikes but (laughs) I was like, yeah, I see where he's coming from. It's it's a valid viewpoint. And it's like, if your partner feels that way, you know, it's like, it's okay to feel either way. But it's like, don't right. be like, you're going to come around. I can feel it. Like, that's so unhealthy. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's worth at least listening to and hearing him out. But rather than Jennifer Aniston doing that, she's just like, well, that obviously means that you don't even love me. So we have to break up. And it's like, that's not what he's saying. Like, what? It's the the concept yeah. of compromise in a relationship is completely absent from this movie, which is yes. bizarre because that is a big part of being in a long term relationship is talking with each other and sometimes finding compromises and mm-hmm. establishing boundaries. But that is just not where they're at. But I think, again, <laughs> therapy, because Jennifer yeah, the, Aniston yeah. is being triggered by her sister's wedding, which now has 
become a problem because everyone's perpetually like her family is pressuring her to be like, what are you doing? It's seven years. Like, I'm sure if this wouldn't have happened, I don't think Jennifer would have been like upset about it. They live together. They're sharing a home. He's putting up a painting. Like, do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like he's doing housework. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like, it's not a problem until she let outside forces kind of like dictate what her life Mm -hmm. should be Mm -hmm. and then listen to those things but then she also is like i've been harboring these feelings for five years and it's like do you think that maybe like again therapy girl learn how to express yourself early on (laughs) exactly do you think that uh jennifer aniston not being married to ben affleck gave chris christopherson a heart attack is that what set it off is it he's like oh my god seven years and then he keels over he keels over no, i feel like they were probably like doing the conga line or something like they were gonna dance and it was just too much that was so out of, i didn't even rewind the scene i'm like i because i looked down to take a note for a second and i looked back up and chris christopherson was in cardiac arrest i'm like i can't i don't i don't the acting to took know. me out it was so dramatic he was like oh, oh, and then uh, and then everybody rushed and i'm like somebody call the fucking like ambulance they're all just like talking over each other and no one's calling an ambulance Oh, it was, mm-hmm. yeah, and the the music shift. Where was, oh, there was, oh my God, there is so many, this is not related, but the, the, the music, some of the music choices, so the most 2009 soundtrack I've ever heard, Somewhere <laughs> Only We Know playing. I was like, ooh, that was, that was a moment. My Morning Jacket, Corinne Bailey Ray. I was like, wow, sophomore year was, what a time. Lit. Uh, Wilco, like, just so so much so much really takes you back to a terrible time yeah really takes me back to being broken (laughs) up with by a saxophone player thanks for nothing (laughs) (laughs) i want to talk about the toxic female relationships in this movie as well because it's not just men on men but i'm like jennifer Connolly's toxic positivity with jennifer goodwin like at some point stop telling her he's gonna call Mm -hmm. she's like don't worry he's gonna call and Drew Barrymore, girl, you sitting there telling this woman to go for it for an, for a married man. Yeah, it's and then you yeah. end up hooking up with E, who you know slept with Scarlett. So I'm like, are y'all friends or acquaintances? Why are you getting oh, your nails done right? together? Yeah. I would never even like have dinner with somebody who my friend had a relationship with. I didn't even connect that. Yeah, where is the loyalty? She, they're not friends. I don't know what that is, but they're not friends. Yeah. Whoa. I also did not catch that because I simply could not keep track of like who knew who in which storylines. Yeah. But yeah, to your point, Anna, like these characters are just like hurling this toxic positivity at each other, which is like not helpful. No one's being constructive. No one is being critical about any of their thinking or behavior like it's just like that's not what like lifting up other women looks like uh, by like lying to them and making stuff up yeah (laughs) that's not how you do that and also like hold space for jennifer goodwin to like spin out and then be like hey (laughs) let's talk about how how we can make you feel better outside Mm -hmm. of this you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's uh, the 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 way that this movie is written, it just has such aggressively rigid views of what 
a man's behavior is versus what a woman's behavior is that sometimes mm-hmm. it's like I it, it just like there's so much cognitive dissonance in the way characters act it feels like sometimes you know the writer was like well women be like this so even if it doesn't like make logical sense in the plot it, even though it doesn't make sense given this relationship um women be like this so she would probably do that like it's just yeah. so binary driven <laughs> to the point where it's just i i was like what huh like what it, well, there's like a, a female writer and a male writer right on the book yeah. and on the movie yeah different uh-huh. teams so i just feel like i i don't know i feel like the woman was like sure that sounds right do it or maybe <laughs> well, Cause nobody advocated for us in this film in the writing mm-hmm. process they the the writers of the movie Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein they seem to work together pretty exclusively and they also wrote movies like Never Been Kissed Valentine's Day and How to Be Single, Ooh. so they are real connoisseurs of this very specific <laughs> brand of pee pee poo poo. And then the book was written by Greg Barrent and Liz Tuchillo or Tucillo, who were uh, like producers slash consultants you know behind the scenes people on sex in the city mm-hmm. so uh and know. anna you were mentioning this off mic right before we started uh recording but there is like it, it's always like a little fr- it's frustrating to see this kind of writing with with a female co-writer but i think it is like a pretty clear example that you know like representation is important but it's not the end game because there's a lot of internalized misogyny yeah you know Yeah, especially for um, writers who have been in the business for a really long time. And, you know, if you start out in the 80s, that kind of mentality just stays with you. And unless you really challenge yourself to start seeing storytelling from a different vantage point versus like what you're used to working, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. it's it's really hard to move forward. So I think the right representation matters. And, you know, it's interesting because the solo show that I wrote the oxy complex kind of mirrors a lot of the anxiety that comes with dating, but um, I bring in the scientific facts behind it, and I feel mm-hmm. like that misses. That's completely missed in this thing, you know. Like when oxytocin gets released, when we start forming attachments, it does feel like a high. So I was like, yeah, Jennifer Goodwin is behaving in a way of somebody having a flood of hormones that's just kind of taken over, and it does make you a little crazy, right? But how do you mitigate that without any awareness? Or like the paradox of choice that is also a scientific fact with online dating and having so much more, um, so many more uh, options for people to date that it makes it either A, impossible to make a choice or B, it makes you less satisfied when you do make a choice. So like Mm -hmm. in so many ways right now, we're kind of being set up not to thrive in relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Check out the show. I mean, I I would love to send you guys the link just so that you yeah. can watch it. Are you both yeah. single? I am always single. Hashtag forever single. As as Z-Way says, famously single. <laughs> <laughs> I am bravely. I'm bravely not single. That's well, great. very brave of you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I am um, trying to get Ben Affleck to marry me. It's been seven years. Obviously, and, you know, we're just gonna see what happens. 
I think I'm going to change him. Be on the lookout for those cargo pants that are going to come in the mail. Oh, yeah. I can't get over it. It was like, I was, I don't, it's so not even close to the worst thing that happens in the movie, but I was like, ugh. So the disrespect, she did not change him. If that is the proposal, she did not change him. Yeah, uh, I feel like we should get into like. He's probably like, girl, I don't want to move my shit out again. So here's the ring. (laughs) It's <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't. I'm I'm tired of fighting because you know my girlfriend always be fighting me. Yeah. But yeah, I think it might be worth just kind of going through each um, relationship and just look at it more closely. But before we do that, I wanted to. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Anna, about the movie not acknowledging a lot of the reason that like people behave in certain ways in like romantic settings and this movie specifically hetero romantic situations because yeah uh, 500 white hetero people (laughs) right but then like there's also no exploration of why do some men tend to behave in certain ways where they are like dismissive or they act disinterested or they mistreat women and it just it doesn't ever explore that at Mm -hmm. all even though there's a whole wide array of reasons Mm -hmm. including but not limited to good old-fashioned misogyny well and just like extreme like social conditioning like that which also it always is so frustrating when you see these like broad stereotypes about gender applied as if it is like inherent to your dna and not Mm -hmm. largely a result of environment and social conditioning right and things that like people learn from the media they consume but it's yeah Mm -hmm. it's like things like men tending to think that women are disposable men valuing women mostly for their youth and looks men not trusting women's feelings or don't think they need to be bothered with men feeling intimidated or emasculated by Uh, Women who they perceive to be smarter or more professionally successful, things like that. And the movie is just like, I don't know anything about that. It's too much, girls. Can we fix this? I mean, we can't fix this in one podcast. (laughs) Like, what's going to happen to us? We've been trying for five years, you know. We'll see. (laughs) Um, Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back for more discussion. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Me. 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Um, so we, I, I feel, is there, did anyone else have anything else to add about the Jen and Ben relationship? That was, I think um, we've been. Wait, which Jen? Jennifer which, Aniston. Oh, yeah. sorry, Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> Ben Affleck. Jennifer, yeah. There's Jennifer, Jennifer, and also don't forget Jennifer. Right. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, there's a part where Jennifer Aniston even acknowledges like, well, I've been kind of like withholding these feelings because I didn't want to seem clingy or demanding, which like fair again, oftentimes in hetero relationships, if a woman like does like make her needs and wants known, she is met with resistance Mm -hmm. and, you know, accused of being needy and being quote unquote hysterical. But so like the acknowledgement of that, I was like, okay, maybe this is going somewhere. But then again, the way she's written is just to like not listen to reason, mm. just like not be willing at all to compromise, jump to really irrational conclusions. Another thing I wanted to mention was um, Jennifer Aniston's character being single in the movie, like the part where she is single after she has left Ben Affleck Mm -hmm. is treated by the people around her as like being a fate worse than death. Which is something that happens to Jennifer Aniston characters all the time in this era of her movies. It seems like they're like 30 what? And then they like (laughs) turn to dust. It's ridiculous. Yeah. To the point where in this movie, not one, but two different cousins of hers aggressively hit on her yeah the- which is disgusting <laughs> and like why why would that be in the movie and like to be clear being pressured from friends and family members to find a romantic partner and to be in a relationship like that pressure is a very real thing for a lot of people what struck me though about this movie is like she doesn't really do anything to challenge that uh, it's the, not presented critically at all. Yeah, the movie, it seems like the movie kind of agrees. Like, mm-hmm. well, this is what you get when you leave Ben Affleck and you just like make that choice. Like, yeah, you're everyone's going to think you're a loser and your cousins are going to hit on you. So you better change your ways and get back together with Ben Affleck. Yeah, the movie is so focused on the end game of like, the whole audience being like, oh, well, clearly Jennifer Aniston and Ben Affleck have to get back together. That if I feel like they take every lazy writing trope along the way to like reinforce mm-hmm. that like foregone conclusion. And then that means like the takeaway for so many of these storylines is just like this bizarro, like <laughs> really old fashioned, like, like for this one, for example, is well, being single is the worst possible thing that could happen to you, so you better get back together with the guy. Let's settle, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> and then like on the flip side of that, for if you're like looking at it from Ben Affleck's point of view, mm-hmm. which like just never like but... ideal, but you know. <laughs> but like 
at the end, she comes back to him. She was willing to compromise and say, like, yes, we don't need this formal legal commitment of marriage as long as we agree to just to be committed to each other in this relationship. Like, that is fine for me. And he's like, cool, great, awesome. But then he also folds and he's like, no, actually, we should get married. And I just I feel like like this would have been a good opportunity to show on screen like a, you know, not quite as traditional of a relationship on screen where like people do agree to be committed to each other without the like bonds of a legal marriage. But Mm -hmm. instead, this movie was like, no, hetero marriage that is legally binding is the end game and should be for everybody. So that's what's going to be like the conclusion yeah they're almost like the doy like <laughs> obviously yeah so I, I just i thought like again I, I don't know why i had any expectations about anything but i was like oh that could have gone somewhere interesting so there we could have seen something nuanced here yeah but then the movie just makes like the most basic uninteresting yeah boring choice <laughs> time and here's the thing like why i find an issue with these stories i mean it was two hours long but i still feel like when you try to take on so many narratives like i have no understanding what that relationship is even about like Mm -hmm. we don't know the history and maybe that's inherent in like the structure of romantic comedies like can they ever pass the Bechdel test or like, you know, because they're just not structured that way. Like, that's not what this is about in terms Mm -hmm. of genre. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like I don't know how they got together. Why? You know what I mean? Totally. I I need more information. But I guess that doesn't make it dramatic. I don't know. Or maybe they just like they're like, we have Ben Affleck for 45 minutes total. Like, (laughs) what are we going to do? Shoot this in three days so he can go shoot the other film. They're like, um, let's um, um, put him on a boat. They're like, wait a second. What's Chris Christopherson supposed to do? Um, I don't know. Have a heart attack. <laughs> do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I totally agree. It's like there, there is like, if you're, if, if they really want you to take a, something away from this movie, that's like applicable, um, you need to have context for what this relationship is and mm-hmm. you really don't get it. I mean, I kind of felt With the same Bradley way. With Bradley you do. Cause he yes. says, he says, Hey, I kind of was talked into this marriage. I didn't feel like I was ready. So at least we hear from his point of view, even though it's fucked up, like yeah. <laughs> stand up for what you want and be like, no, I'm not going to do this. Right, because he says uh, no guy actually wants to get married. And when he does get married, he's just thinking about all the women he's going to miss out on. And And I'm like, like, paradox of choice. (laughs) I know. And I'm like, uh, Bradley, was it your idea or Jennifer Connelly's idea uh, in regards to the frosted tips? Whose idea was that? (laughs) And um, how can we? Um, yeah, it's like I, I guess you you do get like stray lines like that. I, I, but a, a character that I really could have used that background for was Jennifer Goodwin because she has all of these, you know, very kind of clingy behaviors. I think she's my my feeling of how she was written was kind of this very broad stereotype of like desperate. Yeah, and and there's no context for like why might she be this way what is her history like there it, it's stuff that you really could use uh, but it just seems like the way it's written and the way it plays out it just plays out like a very broadly written 
character mm-hmm. of like a single woman. Yeah, because when she comes in with the with the diary stuff, like she's cracked out and she's like, I've gone through all of my stuff and I'm the exception. I'm the rule. I'm not the exception. You know what I mean? And she's like mm-hmm. gone through like this type of behavior <laughs> she's been accepting for a long time. Right. That doesn't uh-huh. happen in a void. But again, I don't know that these are movies are set up to explore those issues. It's just like, here's the problem. Let's fix it with love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. And then where her storyline goes with Justin Long, who, oh my God, I absolutely loathe his character. Such a smug little asshole. What a what a piece of shit. He <laughs> spends most of the movie like either berating her or being like... He talks like, down to her a lot. Talks down to her. He tells her that, oh, women love drama. They feed off it, which is another, again, just like large generalization of like this is how women be and he's like just like treating her badly not able to realize that he likes her until it's like almost too late and he's like wait a minute I've have been dismissive of women and I and so much so that I didn't even know what it feels like to like one of them. It's, and then she's like, well, that's OK. Let's kiss and be together. And I'm like, he and, doesn't even ask consent. He just goes for no. it. Well, but she also I mean, it's like that. That goes both ways. She, yeah, she I mean, that other thing she like jumped on him. We've got two surprise kisses. Yeah. yeah. You're like, wow, you, wow, you guys really are the worst. Um. But they belong together. They, but they're, I mean, and, and when you put it that way, Caitlin, that's sort of another storyline that contradicts the opening scene of the movie because he's being really mean to her. And then it turns out he likes her. He did like her the whole time. Yeah. I didn't even, <laughs> that didn't even ping for me of like yet another central relationship in this movie that contradicts what the opening of the movie says. <laughs> Oy. Yeah. Was it that line when they were what? at the bar where he's like, don't get excited. I mean, like you, like a puppy. Oh, yeah, God, and he's yes. like, I feel, I pity you. I feel bad for yeah. you. Kind and then, of. and then yeah. she comes to the conclusion after that conversation that he's into her. Uh-huh. Uh, I was like, girl, because she was watching a movie. I forget what the movie is now. Mary Stuart Masterson's in it. Yeah, some, oh, some Eric kind Stoltz. of wonderful. Yeah, and she's like influenced by the media that she's consuming yeah. by the a rom com, and she's like, oh my god, I had it all wrong. He does like me, and it's like you're like that's this is not a good yardstick to use. And then goes full throttle. It's like, what do you know about him? Like you guys haven't had any conversation except him telling you about guys that you should leave alone. Do you know how many siblings right. he has? Like. <laughs> nothing she's just like he's it for me yeah he just talks at her for for weeks and then she's like i think i'm in love also that her (laughs) her behavior i just her behavior was so confusing to me at different points where it's like maybe if we had some context this could exist in uh at least there's some justification but when when she goes to his party and she's you know become convinced that he likes her she immediately defaults to like cleaning up and like being (laughs) The, the mom at yeah. a middle school party for some reason like just all of these like you're like huh what the i didn't understand because she's like oh he wants me to co-host it with him because we're about to be a couple and like that's her logic but like <laughs> the jumping to conclusions her mind map of how she got there i cannot really follow 
her logic. And girl, like, read the room at the end of the party. She's sitting here with garbage bags and he's playing video games with some hot chick. Like, I would have left <laughs> yeah. two hours ago. Yeah, save yourself yeah. the aggravation. And then, and you mentioned this earlier, but, like, that speech that she gives after she uh, does a surprise kiss, lunges her at him... <laughs> Uh, then she does this thing that I think that we were supposed to be like standing at the a- AMC cheering. She says, I may just dissect each little thing and put myself out there too much, but at least that means I still care. And you think you won because women are expendable to you and you may not get hurt or make an ass of yourself that way, but you don't fall in love that way, way either. You have not won. And it's like, I see where they're going with that, but it's still such a like binary thing of like there's only one right way to be mm-hmm. and like it uh didn't didn't hit didn't hit for me it was a no it was a no for me on the on the lesson right. but <laughs> i also feel like you know as much as the women are victims in this the men don't get complexity either do you know what i mean like True. i don't know yes. anything about justin long's character's issues and why he decided to build a wall around his life you know e mm-hmm. has a completely code i mean he's Jennifer Goodwin's mirror in the way that he's like lusting over somebody who clearly doesn't want to be in a relationship with him and you know like he pretty much tries to bait her with a house yeah you know he's like I'm only I'm only gonna talk about an ultimatum I'm only gonna buy this if you are gonna move in with me soon think about moving in with me not right now but like I would and it's like what dude so manipulative yeah I'm at least glad that she wasn't like if she would be like oh wow what a nice gesture okay let's be together forever and instead she's just like no I'm good I don't want any of this goodbye forever I was like I did appreciate that yeah because I would have had a panic (laughs) attack of someone i was like you want me to what no Uh, yes but let's talk about the ironing board oh my gosh (laughs) just what he's like that's why i want this house because it reminds (laughs) you of your childhood home what get out of here you're stalker but yeah um, so gross yeah but very gross yeah i mean in you know we we focus on or we tend to focus on the podcast about like how women are represented in movies but like Men also being written in these very broad, binary, stereotypical ways is obviously also very harmful and not doing anyone any favors. And it's just like another element of the patriarchy is the way that men are. Yeah, yeah. because they're modeling behavior as well. Totally. And women are consuming this media. Yes. So men in this movie are like, oh, I hate commitment. And oh, it's I hate my wife and blah, blah, blah. And then women are like, except oh. for E, except, except for, for E, e. who and, he, he just hates Jennifer Goodwin. <laughs> he doesn't think she's hot enough. Ugh. Right. I hate him, Ugh. too. Like, Yeah, he's the worst. He's They're all the worst. They're such trash. And can we talk about him trying to dress gay okay, so yes, he yes, can yes, get yes. the gay let's, market? Yeah, let's talk about how this is treated. He's doing Ugh. weird, weird, gross stuff. So, yeah, um, like we already mentioned earlier, the, the heteronormativity that that is running rampant in this movie is just gross. The, the whole concept of the movie you know it's implying like well the only relationships worth exploring are hetero one man one woman kind of thing Mm -hmm. the movie does acknowledge that queer people exist 
but but only but uh, but only <laughs> in supporting roles in very broadly written stereotyped ways. Yes, very much so. Um, and then yeah, so this subplot we're talking about is with E from Entourage. Uh, Drew Barrymore places because she's like works in ad sales or something like that for a magazine. Yeah, she places an ad for his real estate business in like a part of the newspaper that gets a lot of like traction from gay men specifically because oh, I don't even remember what the ads it's like are. Sex, like sex ads. Yeah, right. And he's like kind of weirded out by it at first, and she's like, "No, you can tap into this." new clientele <laughs> so then... they will come gentrify the neighborhood <laughs> yes. make it livable they even say that he's like this is a, a neighborhood in transition it's like you mean white people are coming in and gentrifying it cool cool cool, cool. yes yeah <laughs> so to appeal to his gay clientele he starts dressing differently and of course justin long makes a bunch of homophobic jokes at his expense him just like altering his appearance is just a very it's icky supposed to be a joke choice. like it's just supposed to be yeah. a hilarious homophobic gentrification joke like you're just like right what the fuck 2009 look how far we've come <laughs> and then the the queer characters who you see who are either made or who are either like explicitly queer or queer coded in the case of like Drew Barrymore's uh My like space colleagues friends yeah they're they're office workers yeah yeah they only exist in the narrative to give advice to straight people about their straight relationships mm-hmm. but also the the buyers the couples at the at at E's open house mm-hmm. they were also like mm, and then had yes. their two cents about what she was about doing about E's straight relationship and then the, some of the guys that Drew Barrymore works with go to Justin Long's party and give advice to Jennifer Goodwin so it's like three yeah. different occasions at least of queer characters only existing in the narrative to give straight people straight advice <laughs> it's, it makes sense adds up <laughs> i mean the, the in in terms of representation of this movie it, it would be hard to do worse than mm-hmm. this movie does everyone i mean you can if you have if you have been blessed by not having seen this movie take a look at the poster it's 500 cis white people yeah and and then the few people of color we see in the movie there's first of all there's nothing going on there or i mean you have uh one scene with um what is the 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 relationship there uh is it jennifer con so jennifer connelly is mm. like they're remodeling uh, their house because yeah they're gentrifier house oh yeah that was problematic for me yeah yeah where she was like we have so many undocumented why yes. they, why you got to call them undocumented yeah a it has nothing to do with the story, and you're accusing mm-hmm. them of smoking in your house. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about ugh, that was She's cringy. A- she was a Karen back before there was a Karen. <laughs> I was gonna yes. say I was like, wow. Any if you were holding on to any uh, sympathy for the Jennifer Connelly character, uh, that's where it goes all the way out the window. Yeah. Yes, in a scene where she yeah she just like lays into Luis Guzman and like his Who, staff uh, criminal misuse of Luis Guzman. 
Okay, so this is another example of like a quote rom-com that has absolutely no comedy in it. There are like they're not jokes or if there are, they like completely fall flat. They Yeah, do I not never land. laughed once. No. No. But there are Well, actually I, I laughed when Chris Christopherson. Chris Christopherson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. No, but there's a there are a couple of lines that Luis Guzman says that I was like that's actually pretty funny. And the rest of the movie is devoid of humor. But it's just because Luis Guzman is funny. Is great and funny. Yes, exactly. They were, yeah. Um, But it's also, he's highlighting the ridiculousness. He's like, can I go to work? Can I get back to work now? Because I ain't got shit (laughs) to do with you. Like, obviously, you're projecting your marriage issues on me. Uh And either you pay me $90 an hour to be your therapist, or you let me get back to work. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. real simple. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, so shouts out to Luis Guzman. Yes. But yeah, every other... BIPOC character in the movie is written in a broad stereotype, very tertiary, barely has lines. You could take all of them out of the story and the movie would not be any different narratively. Like, it's just... Because the only other representation is those two black women kind of talking about how men yeah, swindle people them. Who are not even people who are not even related to the plot. <laughs> like... Yeah right <laughs> yeah they were like uh i don't know what did they say like they make it seem like breaking up was my idea yeah they're they're they have like the whole speech about like how you know when you've been dumped yeah they're acknowledging inception before christopher nolan's inception ever even came out whoa <laughs> just blew my mind makes Holy you think <laughs> <laughs> Um, who else do we need to talk about? Is there any... Can we talk about um the fact that at the end, it's so eat, pray, love, but like those confessionals at the end and oh. Scarlett's like, I'm going on a trip to India with my... I'm like, get out of oh here, girl. God. You're supposed to be a struggling singer. How you can afford a trip to India? How long are you going for? Like, what? Oh. Yoga teachers don't make that much. I know. It's like, what? Yeah. What are you making to? I, she doesn't have yoga pants, and yet she has a ton of disposable income. Yeah. <laughs> what? And you're teaching at a Y. P.S. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. know you're not making that much money to afford a whole, right. you know, sabbatical. We haven't really talked too much about uh, Scarlett's character because it's just again a confounding character. I a lot of the choices. I was like, I don't know, like. She is, uh, you know, it seems like she's falling for Bradley Cooper, who is cheating on his wife, who is Jennifer Connelly, who is projecting her issues onto Luis Guzman. It's all connected. It's all connected, <laughs> like Babel, but a bad version. Which is like, that's, you know, that's a storyline, sure. But but it's just, you. I feel like you just don't, I feel like I don't know anything about her other than she's supposed to be a yoga instructor. I think they they don't show it because it's PG-13, but there's that gratuitous like, ooh, she's taking her clothes off and jumping in the pool, which just feels the seduction uh, exploitative in a way that it's like, well, if you're if you're going to do that, like, can I know something about who is this person? What? She says, you have an ass so tight or whatever that it makes me want a dry hump. And I'm like... I'm sorry, what? And then he's like, I just fell in love. Right. <laughs> Honestly, as a as seeing this movie as a like a, a sophomore in high school, I was like, I can relate with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, what you want like what part of him do you want to 
do you want to dry hump his ass? Like, what are you talking about? She wants to dry hump his ass. I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> I wanna, I'm trying to picture that. Um, what I would love to do is, like, sit down with Scarlett and talk to her about her process. Like, how did you make sense of these lines? How did you commit to these lines? Like, I would love to have that conversation. Because, listen, this was a job for her. Bless her. She had to do it. But damn, that's a hard script to like stand behind. Yeah. She just, yeah, she's just ping ponging between. And it's again, it's like there's the like seeds of potentially an interesting story if you know anything about the character. Because if you had context for Scarlet, you would be like, oh, you know, she seems to be in this pattern of, you know, like pursuing men who are unavailable and then going back to men she doesn't really care about but wants positive validation from that is like Mm -hmm. reflective of a real life dynamic that exists but without context it just becomes too broad she could have had her own film everybody here could have had their own film Mm -hmm. and not be two hours and we could have gotten into some deep like healing romantic comedy (laughs) stuff but the genre just wasn't there back then you know yeah i guess um anything else oh i guess we we were referencing this at the top of of the movie but uh bradley cooper does shove scarlett johansson in a closet and that is feminism the most (laughs) disrespectful thing ever it was oh oh brutal i will say that back in my early 20s (laughs) i was Spending the night at somebody's house and a girl that he was seeing showed up at 3 a.m. And I heard them arguing outside the front door while I quietly stayed in the bedroom. So I guess I have been Scarlett Johansson at some point, but at least I wasn't at his job in the middle of the day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like silver linings playbook. Another uh, (laughs) Bradley Cooper's. Mm. (laughs) Like, at least I didn't go that low. (laughs) Yeah, so many people do so many inappropriate things at their jobs in this movie. Yeah. And also he can't find a piece of paper? There <laughs> he's uh, he's yeah, like, oh, it's that. in here somewhere. What are you doing? He, like, go to the office next door and ask him again for the piece of paper and be done with it. <laughs> he's gross. He sucks. Um I th- uh, one last thing I wanted to say was it felt to me like the Drew Barrymore subplot because she definitely gets less screen time than most of the other women. And oh, yeah. She had one day of availability. <laughs> right. Her through line, I got the sense that it was there mostly to shame people who use online dating. And yeah. the whole thing was like, oh, that gross. Anyone who does online dating, you're just setting yourself up for failure. What you need to do is go back to the good old fashioned meeting people IRL. Well, that's a very I think that that's like a very of the time attitude. too. Yeah. But again, like I think by 2009 was a little outdated as well. Yeah. Because that seems like a like sex in the city thing. Like when online dating was new, it was like perceived as unsafe and desperate behavior when mm-hmm. now it's like. Mm-hmm the norm norm right yeah i took it as like tech overwhelm in a way Mm. which it it can be a little Mm -hmm. bit and i don't know ladies but i'm maybe call me old-fashioned but i'm like i want to get off these apps like i if i want to i'm i'm to the point right now where i'm like if i don't meet somebody that's okay and i'd rather it just happen in person at some point 
Sure. Because they are exhausting. As someone who is also on the apps, I'd rather not be. No, but... like just have someone just meet. Like a lot. But of, I don't um... feel any like shame associated. No, no, no. With no. There shouldn't be any shame. Yeah. Absolutely no shame. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, for my show, I took a lot of real profiles but had my friends who are actors give me an image so that I didn't like out anybody. But uh, one of them said, my love language is dot, dot, dot anal. And that was out in the world. Okay. So, you know, there is a, there is a terrible like wasteland of things happening in these profiles that I just like want to be done with. Yeah. My hinge profile says my love language is making you watch Paddington 2. Caitlin, so, just, you know, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> love it. You're gonna get snatched up, okay? Uh, you just want to cuddle. Not uh, hasn't no. happened. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. Any other any final thoughts from anybody? I just um, want to say that I was hella surprised because I've heard of the Bechdel test, but I just it's so minimal. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That when I see the amount of films that don't meet it, I'm like, what in the hell are you writing that you can't have two lines of women talking about something other than guys? Mm-hmm. That's just ridiculous to me. It's, well, that, yeah. that brings us to our discussion of whether or not this movie passes the Bechdel test. And I honestly did not pay close enough attention oh, no. which is okay what I, I was really hoping you did I'm, I'm googling I did. you did oh you did they have one exchange <laughs> where jennifer Connolly asks somebody if they want coffee and the other one says yes wow oh and then maybe that the the whole like i can't write this copy about nutmeg and then one of them's like dough oh maybe that but there's there's that one coffee and i'm like why is coffee important right now but i wonder if the writers were like we got to pass the Bechdel (laughs) test throw in the coffee sequence i'm also seeing that some someone arguing on famous website bechdeltest.com uh someone says that the scene where Jennifer Aniston and her sister, who is named, talk about a bridesmaid dress. That's still pseudo related to marriage. I agree. I I agree. Yeah. Every (laughs) single conversation between women in this movie is either explicitly or implicitly about men or relationships with men. Yeah. In the entire movie. So even the montage where they're showing all the women, I was like, oh, two Asian women talking about dudes. So. <sighs> it yeah oh my gosh that montage I'm gonna say it doesn't beginning. pass <laughs> coffee we can say and co- it doesn't but like t- ugh, the coffee thing was trash uh, yeah we've also been having discussions on the show recently about sort of upgrade because we because there's so many different versions of the Bechdel test mm-hmm. and we've kind of been thinking about upgrading ours to having it be like a meaningful exchange which would exclude you know just like hey here's this thanks yeah. or like mm-hmm. exchanges like that because sometimes I feel like. Little things like that let really shitty movies yeah. get off the hook. Right, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm no. going to go ahead and say that this movie does not pass the Bechdel test. Um, I'm on board with that. that. Thank you so much. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's put it to our test, our nipple scale, mm-hmm. a scale of zero to five nipples based on an examination 
of intersectional feminism as it applies to the movie he's just not that into you guess what i'm just not that into this movie and i give it wow i'll give it a half nipple because i think that it very very minimally begins to think about starting some conversations that could be interesting about relationships Mm. but because of just how little follow-through there is how there's only space provided to hetero romantic relationships they are all rich white people who are given any significant storylines or screen time actively gentrifying (laughs) the entire movie yes (laughs) Um, and just the very broad, sweeping, reductive stereotypes about men and women that the characters are written within. It's just so broad and binary and regressive, and I hate all of it. And now I'm talking myself out of this even half nipple. I think I'm going to give it zero nipples. Yeah, I, 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 I would feel... I don't know, because the only thing that I liked about the movie besides Chris Christopherson, I need to give it a half nipple because I need to give that to Chris Christopherson's oh, sure. part uh-huh. in the movie. Uh-huh. Um, His art. So I'll give it. I'll, <laughs> I'll give it. I'll give it a, a, a half half a no no nipples one half of Chris Christopherson's fictional heart, heart. in the movie. Um, but it, it's 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 like it's it's bizarre. Like we've been discussing, it. there are these few. Like I liked the beginning idea of the movie of like here's a lie we've been told our mm. whole lives. Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. But then the rest of the movie is not about that and contradicts that. <laughs> uh-huh. And there's so much. It's just I don't know. Like this this movie was not made to you know. I hope. I mean, but that's maybe not true. That like this movie was wasn't supposed to change anyone's mind about anything or really challenge anything in a meaningful way. And right. I don't know. It, it was very successful. It was extremely very so successful. much money. Yeah, hundred seventy eight million dollars at the box office, which is wow. quite a lot for a rom com, especially. That was all Bradley Cooper, though. To be honest, <laughs> that was that was all the frosty tips, baby. Uh, so I'll give it, I'll give it no nipples, and then one half of Chris Christopherson's heart. Aww. Uh, Anna, what about you? I'm gonna give it a nipple ring. A nipple ring, because okay. A uh-huh. ring because. Um, it's shiny, it's nice to look at, but it's completely unnecessary. Mm. <laughs> Just like the movie, although the movie is not Just nice like to movie. look at. So, I mean, you know, it was shot nicely. You know, people put effort into it. <laughs> but then there's, there are, okay, there, okay, I just have to get into, Jennifer Connelly comes in, tries to seduce her husband. He could not be less interested in it, but he's like, I guess. And then they like have sex and then it the camera like moves over to the door of the closet that Scarlett is in, but not like, why wouldn't you see what put the camera in the closet and look at her face instead of just shows the door. And I'm just like, what the, who Scarlett was not available that day. (laughs) 
But it has I to be love, something like that. I, here, here's how much I was into the movie. I was like, that's a nice bustier, Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> like, it was yeah. way to show up. It's classy. It's cute. I liked it. It also had like those, do you remember those straps from the late 2000s that were kind of like fringy? They had they had those like fringy kind of uncomfortable straps, but they looked cool. Yeah. I was like, oh, Victoria's Secret High School Edition. I remember these fringy straps. <laughs> <sighs> what? Yeah. What a journey. <laughs> Anna, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for letting me chat with you guys. I had so much fun. It's our pleasure. Yeah, it was a blast. Tell us about your show and tell us about other places that people can check out your stuff and follow you on social media. Yeah, my show is called The Oxy Complex. It's running, streaming virtually um, through April 18th. You can go to iamatheater.com, I-A-M-A theater.com to get tickets. Um, it's set on the 500th day of quarantine, which I didn't think we would ever get to but maybe we will. Um, And uh, the character Viviana is kind of dealing with insomnia and stress and starts having hallucinations, which kind of take her back to look at her dating life and um, try to heal some core traumas in her life in order to maybe be a better partner in the future. And, you know, it's a dark comedy, so I'm going to make you laugh. Nice. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram at the underscore Anna La Madrid. And uh, I'm also an acting coach. So if you're an actor and you're looking for community, we created um, a, com- a membership platform called The New Triple Threat. Because um, now actors have to be kind of all about their business, their craft, and their tech. So we have courses to help you set up your self-tape studio, auditioning, craft. We're going to do like budgeting for actors. You know, all the things that they don't teach you in school, uh, the actual mm-hmm. skills that you need to be a working actor. And you can go to the new triple threat.com. Mm-hmm. So for as little as like 57 bucks a month, you get to access to all this information. That's, That's awesome. amazing. Yeah. Cool. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bechtelcast. You can check out our Matreon at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast, which gets you two bonus episodes every month, plus the entire back catalog. And it mm. is $5 a month. Love that. Wowie wow. What a treat. Get it. What a treat indeed. <laughs> and then our merch is at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. Grab yourself a mask. Grab yourself a shirt. Other your, other wares. Live your life. <laughs> you know. Well, <laughs> we're not gonna stop you. And then, yeah, I guess um, we're just not that into. He's just not that into you. R.I.P. Chris Christopherson. <laughs> just kidding. He lives. Yay! <laughs> bye bye. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.